Miro Laflaga is a president and co-founder at 16KMA, a creative agency specializing in brand strategy, graphic design, and visual production for entrepreneurs, businesses, and artists. In high school, he worked at McDonald's. He cleaned the bathrooms, served the food, you know, all that fun stuff. He did that for about eight months, and then he started working at different call centers. He even worked as a security guard at one point. He went to school, but eventually was fed up with the direction his life was going. He got his start as a stylist and network photographers. He applied for a job that required a master's degree, but felt his portfolio was enough. He got the job. He was directing music videos and creative videos for local artists. He kept on learning and improving his skills. He took a risk and started his own business. He went all in. His hard work paid off, and now he gets to work on amazing projects. Listen to learn more about Mirror's story. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nodegree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Hey, welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today I have Miro. I don't want to get your last name wrong. How do you say your last name? La Flaga. La Flaga. Cool, cool. So do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Hey, um, my name is Miro La Flaga. I am the co-founder of Sisan Kim. I am a brand strategist and I'm just experiencing life right now. And yeah. Okay. So what does the brand strategist do? What do what does your day-to-day look like or your week-to-week look like? So on I feel like everyone has a different oh yeah, apologies for my birds in the background, just That's for the viewers and everything like that, you know. But uh I feel like a lot of people have their different definition what a brand strategist does but for me what i see it or my day-to-day is i come up with like strategic plans and brand positioning for companies so i work alongside with my partner she's more on the creative direction side of things and i handle more of the strategic and positioning side of things when it comes to um branding projects nice nice so Let's kind of take it back. How was high school like for you? And would you want to be in high school? In high school, honestly, I wanted to be... I wanted to be like Steve Irwin. Okay. <laughs> I think that was the... He had the coolest job in the whole entire world. I mean, he does. That's like... That's literally one of the coolest jobs in the whole entire world. You know, like traveling the world and just like, you know, discovering all these different animals and stuff. I always wanted to be like that. I wanted to be that of some sort. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Okay. <laughs> and then what'd you end up kind of doing to like, what kind of jobs did you have in high school if you had any? Um, Jobs I had in high school. When I was in high school, my first job was working at McDonald's. I was like okay. a... I worked at Popeyes. That was my first Popeyes? job. Popeyes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. so you know how it is. Those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, working in your fast food place as a teen, and it's like cleaning bathrooms and like <laughs> all that fun stuff. I would say, but that was like my first job. I started working. My I had my first job when I was like fifteen, sixteen, and that was really it. Honestly, how um, long did you have that job for? I had it for probably like eight months or something. And then I switched. I started working at like call centers because I'm in, I'm from Montreal and Montreal is notorious for having call centers because of 
the English and French, right? So I started working at like different call centers and stuff like that. But I bummed around on a lot of jobs throughout my what life. Some, what were some other jobs that you had? I worked as, as a security. Okay. I was a security where, uh, for a company called Garda. And uh, yeah, I was like, I was one of those security guys who would be like at those liquor store to make sure people don't steal liquor or in those office buildings. Um, yeah, I worked at a lot of like random, just like jobs, you know, like I never really knew what I wanted to do. Like, I just felt like I just did jobs for the sake of doing jobs, right? Like, I was never emotionally attached to any of any job I ever had in my life because I didn't feel like it was for me. So when did things start getting better for you in terms of direction? Like, when did you have a little more direction to where, like, okay, I'm going to be a little more intentional about the jobs I'm going to take? I would say that that's probably recently, honestly. It's really okay. recently, like, I think it was the last job I ever worked at in my life. And that was probably in 2018 or 17 or something like that. And I was working at a furniture design company. And I was, um, they hired me as a creative director slash strategist on their company. So I was working, I was curating their photo shoots, working, working with their design team and, you know, helping them out roll out collections and stuff like that. So I think that was the first time I worked at a job that I was like, wow, okay. It's something that I want to do. And it's in the field industry I wanted to do, you know? How did you sort of get that job? Like, how'd you move towards a creative direction? So funny enough, like, it's so weird because prior to that, I kind of started putting myself out there as a, creative director so i kind of um i went to a period in my life where i was just kind of like you know what i was fed up with my school and i was fed up at the job i was at you know i was working at this previous call center as a supervisor or something like that i kind of just went all in this creative endeavor i just call in and i just went all out in it so i started off pretty much as a stylist and I was slowly like um, building up my portfolio, building up my connection with photographers and videographers. And I was just basically curating projects. And with that project, I saw this positioning for this job, but they needed like a master's degree or something like that. And I was just like, yo, you know what? I'm just going to apply for the fun of it because I feel like I have a strong portfolio based on like all the personal work I did. And they actually hired me <laughs> based on like the portfolio work I did and it was just kind of like mind-boggling because it's like I didn't went to school for this at all and here I am they're hiring me for this. yeah so <laughs> what kind of portfolio work did you have uh I was directing music videos I was creating social media content for local artists in the area so artists who um you know um you know if they were releasing like any type of like you know, just content for their social media. So it's like yeah, photos, yeah. videography work. And I was just basically doing that for them. What were some things you did to sort of learn about these creative things? Like, did you learn how to take photos? How'd you learn about, did you learn video editing? Like, yeah, what did you do? Shit, nada, 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 nada. I think the thing that helped me, because I always had a creative eye, 
But the thing, what I learned very quickly was that I don't need to be the person who's actually hands-on. I just need to surround myself with the people who could do it better than me. And I just had to kind of like master the art of project managing or directing or however you want to call it. So I, 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 I figured out that out very quickly and I just, I just ran with it, honestly. Okay. So you got good at identifying people with talent and you got yes. good at understanding how to manage these creatives. Yes, exactly. And I right away, I realized there was a huge disconnect between creatives and business. Like the people, like I realized there was a gap there. And because I study, I have a background, like um, my last semester in university, I, I study um, business management. So I kind of had a good background of that. So I, I felt like I was a perfect blend of in the middle. So I could communicate between both very easily. Okay, cool. So you're from Canada and Canada has this system, right? They have like a three-year, which is diploma and a four-year, which is like sort of university. Can you kind of talk about like the difference in terms of how they're perceived and all that? Yeah. Yeah. So over here, we have um, grade school that goes up to grade six. And then from grade school, you have high school. High school is five years. After high school, you have CJEP, which is people call it college here, which is um, three year. It's a um, two, three year program, depending on what you, you, you go into. And then from there, you have university. And university, you have your bachelor's, which is four years, if I'm not mistaken, three, four, three years. Then you have your master's, which is five years. And your PhD, I think it's eight years or so. I might be wrong, but that's... Okay. No, I mean, it's, just, it's long. Okay. So are there like jobs that say you must have like the four year and they don't accept the three years? Like what's the situation with that? Yeah. So most jobs like... Uh, you know, like a lot of jobs ask for like, you have either a bachelor's or master's or something like that. But honestly, I feel like it's kind of useless to have those criteria nowadays. I feel, like, I feel like people look for more experience and I use myself as, uh, how you could say, an example of that because I got hired for a position that you need a master's and I have, and I, and I legit just had experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Give me some of your earlier experiences with creativity and being a creative, like, you know, and how that, how you leverage that. Cause there are a lot of creative people, but then they don't tend to be smart about it. Right. Maybe they'll create, but they're not intentional with like, how am I going to take my creation further? How am I going to be use this to sort of make money and a living? How'd you go mm -hmm. about that? Um, I think honestly, the thing that really helped a lot was Instagram. Uh, like I started my journey around 2015 and I think the thing that really opened my eyes up was just seeing other creatives, either incoming photographers, stylists, whatever, just different people who are just creating their own worlds on social media become entrepreneurs overnight and just create the life that they wanted, right? And me seeing that, that was like a justification for me that for me that I could go out here and create something for myself as well too but prior to that I felt like 
I always had a creative mind, you know, like I, I, I love album artworks and music videos. Those are the two things that always like spoke to me. And I was just very, very, very into, but because of my background and where I was from and everything like that, it was not, it was never viewed as a, a solid career. So I always kind of like suppressed it in a way and never really act on it until I got older and I saw people taking huge risks with this. I'm like, yo, you know what? Let me try and do this shit. Let me see what I could do. Like, let me just give my all. Let me just go one, two years, just very hard on this and see what happened. And, you know, (laughs) it worked out for the better, you know? Yeah. So what was the first big risk that you took? First big risk I took was quitting my job. And what were you doing at the time? I'm dropping out of school. So um, uh, I was working at a call center. It was a supervisor role I was in. And I remember I got, I got suspended at the job, right? I got suspended. I forgot why I got suspended. I got suspended for like a week or something like that. And they suspended me back to back. So when they suspend you, like you can't work no more? Or do, do they yeah, pay you? Yeah, they suspended me for like, for like a week. Like I can't with work with no pay type of shit. Wow, because... that's like, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know? <laughs> And I was like, and I remember it was something very dumb. It wasn't anything like. Yeah, like you lied about something or yeah, whatever. I think, I forgot what it was, but whatever. Like that happened. And I was just kind of like, fuck. Like, um, and, and prior to that, I already had the mind that, like, you know what? Like, I think I should go full time in being a stylist. I had that in my mind. And I was kind of like really putting the blocks together to that. And when I got suspended, that was the confirmation for me. I, I took the I took that week off and I really like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Basically, like, you know, like I don't want to work at a place where I felt like, you know, I could get suspended. I'll like I have no control. Like if they if they want to replace me or whatever the case may be, they could legit do that. And I just kind of like so when I went back to work, <laughs> it's so funny. I went back to work, so they were like, oh. My, my, my boss, he's like, oh, he's speaking to me. And he's like, oh, you know, like, I'm sorry that you got the suspension, but I hope we can move forward. And I was just like, yeah, but I'm quitting. And he was so shocked. He's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, he's like, why? Is it because I'm like, I don't want to work no more. I'm going to go do my own shit. I told him that. <laughs> and I left. And, and I remember during that time, it was like, uh, I was still in my last semester at university. And so I, so I, so after I quit, I went full, I went hard on the styling thing and things were picking up. It was picking up. It was really, really picking up. And the second risk I took, it was just like, yo, you know what? Like, I remember I had a few exams. I'm like, yo, fuck this. I don't have time to study this exam. I'm going to go full out. So those were the, Bit, the two big risks I took back to back. The fact that I quit my job without any really safety net or anything like that. I had a few, I, I had like $6,000 or $7,000 saved up that I really just kind of reinvested in myself and uh, just quitting school. Just really not really knowing where else. Were you living by yourself or living at? No, I was thankful. Thankfully enough, I was living with my mother at the time. Okay. And I was living at home. So, Rent was very cheap for me. And I just kind of just took full advantage of that as much as I can. 
to be very I, honest. I, I tell entrepreneurs like, look, live at home, yeah. build that cushion, you know, take yes. care of your parents later, make sure you don't forget about it. But it makes such a big difference when you don't have to worry whatever, a thousand, two thousand dollars in bills a month versus a couple mm-hmm. hundred. It makes a big difference so that you can sort of build that cushion and build that because the fact is you're gonna make so many mistakes. And I'm pretty sure, you know, we both made a lot of mistakes, but being able to weather those mistakes until we find our rhythm. So you went all out. How were the first few months? And did your mom say anything when that happened? Yeah, she did. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. But um, she, she, she saw how passionate I was about what I was doing. So she kind of gave me that breathing room to kind of like venture off and experiment. And honestly, those were my rock star years like 2016 2015 16 i was like straight up rock star in it bro like i was experimenting with like acid and having mushroom trips and just i was just living that like artist life like that typical image of the artist i was that you know for the longest time and it was a lot of self-discovery at the same time you know i was learning so much about myself about my own personal affairs I was confronting a lot of things that I had to deal with in the past, on an emotional, traumatic level, and just really kind of understanding like my purpose in this life as well, too. Because as much as I wanted to be like an entrepreneur and creative, I always felt the need to have a purpose because I reached to a point where like I was I was doing cool things. I was, you know, getting little contract gigs here and here, but I never felt very fulfilled. And the reason why I didn't feel fulfilled because I didn't have like a, a strong why that was like that that was pulling me, you know. And it took and it, and it took some time to kind of like develop what was my reasoning behind everything I was doing, and that really helped a lot as well. So, what was your purpose at the time? I wouldn't say at the time; it still is. So. My purpose or my why was to really create a space where other people like me could feel free to create, right? Because, you know, I grew up with a lot of photographer, self-taught photographers, videographers, designers, you name it. Like a lot of, a lot of people I knew grew up in the same neighborhood as me, but they never ever went after that dream. You know, they kind of just gave up on it. And the reason why they gave up on it is because there was no one close to them to kind of show them that like, yo, you can actually become the next Spike Lee if you wanted to, you know, like, and I wanted to kind of just break that wall down to be like, yo, you know what? Like it is possible. I want to create that change that I want to see. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want the next kid like me spend 20 plus years trying to figure out what they want to do when they could just discover it right away because it's like, yo, they have me as reference and they have other people as reference to kind of like the street. And so that was the thing that was, that is my why and that's still my why. It's the reason why I'm still going hard as I am today. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's amazing, man. Thank you for really just helping creatives because it's it's tough for a creative, right? It's it, There's so many things, so many gaps because a lot of creatives are very good at creating, but the business side is what holds you back. So, what were some of the ways that you were sort of making money when you started, when you quit? So when I started, um, I started, you know, um, directing music videos. I was 
build um directing music videos for other artists. I was making um how you could say I was, you know, curating photo shoots for other um artists, you know, it was just really these little gigs here and there. So I was very working with other artists, but um I quickly got I would say got tired or bored of it, but I realized quickly that wasn't a sustainable career for me in the long run as well, too. You know, and why wasn't it sustainable? Because working with artists is very limited. Like the budgets are limited, right? And I always had big visions and things of that nature. So along the way, I was lucky enough to meet um, my partner, who is also my soulmate. Ash Phillips, you know, so she has a background in, so Ash Phillips, she's the chart of the creative direction aspect. So she has a background in graphic design. So when we met each other, she was very like surprised at everything that I was doing because I was just out here very like rugged and just trying to make shit happen. And she came from a very like academic design background. So we kind of like, put our ideas together and really figure out like, okay, you know what? We can't be working with artists because the budget's not there. Who really needs us? And that's when we started to put more focus on working with other startups, entrepreneurs, and emerging artists. So artists who actually have the funding itself, just anyone, right? When you said the, previously you said the budgets were sort of limited, like what were you getting paid or what would someone expect to get paid? I would say on average, I would just make probably like five, four hundred, like three to five hundred dollars per gig, you know. But my gigs weren't as often as I would like them, you know. And the work I had to put in to get that amount, it just didn't seem right. Like I, I, I it wasn't there, you know. And uh, like I said, like an upcoming artist to ask them to spend like. A couple of thousand for a music video, it's, it's, it's a lot for them. Okay, cool. So now you kind of made the pivot, right? Now you're like, all right, we're going to go for bigger projects. Now, how was that like at first? I think we took a lot of time to develop our own brand. In, you know, so before we went out and before we went all out to kind of like, um, you could say, um, go after those specific clients. We took the time to work on our brand and because we realized that, listen, we want to work with the best clients. We want to work with the people who value Brandon and they put that at the forefront. So we have to make sure that our kit is very dope. So meaning our website, our presentation and everything like that. So we put a lot of emphasis on building that up first and it it worked like a magnet slowly, but slowly people started reaching out to us. So they're like, yo, I want what you guys have. I want that exact same experience. Mm, okay. Okay. So what would you say was your big, big first big milestone that you hit? There's two, there's two big milestones that we hit. And I feel like, um, it really boosted our confidence. So the first one was that we were working with a local rap group here in Montreal called um, Cash Wavy Boys. So we were in charge of their entire branding and presentation and everything like that. So they had music, but they didn't have no artwork. They didn't have no photos. They didn't have no story behind. So me and Ash, we worked together and we really curate 
their entire project. So we did their album artwork, we did their press release, we did their, um, you know, their photos, we directed their first music video. We did all of this. And uh, when we released it and executed, like the feedback on it was so amazing because we got these guys featured on national TV. We got them on, we got them featured on MTV Asia. So it was very like, it was very, um, it was, it was just like, wow, like what we, what are we like the things that we're doing? It works. It's, it, 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 it results to it. You know, it's not just like fantasy. So that was very like a confidence booster for us. And then the second milestone is that we were contacted by the Niagara Falls Underground Railroad Museum in New York to actually do their rebrand. So they reached out to us and we actually did their, um, their branding for their museum. So they wanted, a, they wanted to do a rebrand and they, can't, and they actually reached out to us. Those are the, and I think those happen back to back in the same year. That's when we're like, okay, we're, we're onto something dope. We're onto something really big right now. We need to keep this momentum really going. Yeah. So how did you keep the momentum going? Um, how did we kept the momentum going? I think what we did was like, we started really like reinvesting in ourselves a lot. So we started building up our own content. We redesigned our website. We made an effort to kind of promote the work that we were actually doing and that at the forefront. We started um, doing workshops and speaking events as well. Like we started putting ourselves out there and letting people know what our story is about. So um, we started building up our own work um, workshop that um, talked about the importance of branding and or um sharing our experience as entrepreneurs and how we went through what we went through and what was our come-ups and our pitfalls and our highs and lows and you name it so we started really going overdrive on all of those forefronts and that's uh and that's what really kept us afloat honestly and to be very honest so what was the hardest period that you sort of went through and why was it hard I think the hardest period we went through was to understand entrepreneur culture and re- and, and, and redefining it. And we're actually still going through that right now. And I, and I will elaborate a little bit on that because when we started, we were creatives, but we also know that we're entrepreneurs at the same time. And we felt that this need to be like, you know, grind 24-7 team no sleep you know all of those all of those things and we thought that was the way to be productive but as i as we start as we go into it we start realizing that like that's false like how can i i cannot produce the work that i want to produce if i'm mentally drained and mentally tired I don't want to be mentally tired by the time I enjoy my success. You know, the, 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 the being bored and doing fuck all is part of being productive. Right. So, so I think that's what's the hardest thing for us to, to, um, understand. And it, 
led us to actually fire, you know, our clients, you know, like a few of our clients because we didn't set no boundaries because we felt like, yo, you know what? Like the client is always right. They're paying the bills. They're the highest paying client, blah, blah, blah. And we felt that was the mentality to have, but we started slowly peeling back and we realized, yo, that's, that's not true. That's not, that's not true. Yeah. So when you fire these clients, what were the reactions? <laughs> it was, um, it was very understanding. You know, it wasn't because we let it be known that like, and we wasn't rude about it. It was just like, you know, this relationship is not going to work. And it's like, we're not really, we didn't want to do that before because, um, some of these clients we were working with before we were offering services that we didn't really want to do. And we were just offering it because it paid the bills. Yeah. What were these services? Like managing social media accounts, for example. Yeah, that gets that gets a lot of grinding and a lot of yeah. And that was something that we were doing with a few with a few people that we work with. But as time went by, we didn't like it, you know, and we weren't in it. Didn't like it, so I was like, "Yo, fuck this!" Like, like on, and I think I think there was a few other things that we were just like offering because it was just like people were asking for that. And we just felt like the need to offer it. So we went back to the drawing board and really like took the moment to be like, okay, what are the things that we like doing? What is that? Like, what, like, I love Brandon. Ash loves the Brandon. Let's just focus on Brandon. Let's focus on building brands, positioning back brands, or rebranding. That's it. Or creative strategy. That's it. Nothing else. We want to really keep it niche tight, and that's what it is. Most people think that's not a good thing because it's like, yo, it's better if you offer other services and stuff like that. Probably down the line, as our team get bigger, we might offer those things. But I feel like work better for us currently is to be very niche and just work on the things that we're actually good at, good at, and we're passionate about. No, that, that's actually what a lot of people don't realize. They think they have to go in all these directions, but you actually do better. You attract the right clients and you're happier, more fulfilled. And would you say that you started making more money after? Yes. Eventually? Yes. 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 Once we took the time to really start focusing and people start understanding like, oh, when it comes to branding and creative agency, they start recognizing us like we start coming to their mind it was it was it was a wrap from there it made things so much easier instead of like oh like well they do this they do that on the like no brandon think of us that's it that's all nice nice now what were some other mistakes that you and your team made along the way um i made a few mistakes <laughs> i don't know where to start to be very honest um i say one of the biggest mistakes was not trademarking our name. <laughs> so prior to Sysankyem, we had a our company was called Divi Productions. So we we're operating under that name. And when things start to when things was actually start bubbling and growing and everything like that, we we're like, okay, now let's let's deal with the legal stuff, all the boring stuff that we were not <laughs> doing before. And when we started contacting the lawyer to get that involved, they're like, um, someone else trademark 
the word Divi as an advertisement agency in Canada. So you cannot do that. And in the US too, I think they did that in the US. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm like, damn, that was a mistake. I want to say it's a real mistake because like, I love Sysankiam. I like the branding of it and everything like that and the French name and everything. So we end up changing the name and we trademark that name, you know, as well, did it properly. So that was one of the mistakes I felt like we did in the beginning. Um, what else? I think another mistake I'll say as well is um, putting our ego to the side. Um, prior, I used to take um, things very personal. So if we presented a work to a client and they didn't like it or anything like that, I used to take it very, 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 very like, um, I used to take it very personal. I used to be like, oh, fuck, like, I used to take it too personal and I used to, and I used to make things so awkward and complicated and annoying. And, uh, yeah. And it caused a lot of friction between us and our collaborators because I was just always, I, I just took it personal and I kind of changed that, you know, I had to take some time back to really like, yo, you know what? Like I shouldn't be taking this personal. It's not about me. It's about their needs, not my needs. Right. And uh, so that's what I'm feeling back. But one of the challenges I'm discovering now, as well as I'm doing that, it's that a lot of them don't, some clients might be too, some clients take things too personal to the point that they don't realize that the solution that we're pro pro providing them is for their, the benefit of their business. So sometimes we will brand projects and we do projects and we put the companies and the business goals at the forefront. But sometimes the client is like, no, well, I don't like this. And it's like, it's not really about what you like. It's not even about what I like. It's about what's good for your business. like And what your customers like. What you know what I'm saying? Like it's that's that's all it matters. Like, like I might not, I might have my own preference, but it's not about my preference. It's not even about your preference. It's about your business needs and its goals. So if we're trying to go after a specific segment in the market, there's a way we need to communicate and present that to them. And sometimes there is that little, you know, a little tug of war to get to make them understand that. Yeah. No, that's very important now how has the industry changed over time because you know now things move very quickly there are a lot more tools that kind of kind of help you right platforms change right like instagram has sort of been losing a lot of share to tiktok right where tiktok is like the short videos and right it's all these things change right so how has the industry changed over time since you started because instagram i remember 2015 to 2015 big right now it's like it's not, it doesn't have the same impact. The reach is not the same. But what have you sort of done also to change, adapt to these things too? I feel like on my end, I'm just trying to be aware of them. You know, I don't think necessarily like all these tools are things that you should be implementing, depending on what stage you're at as a, as a company, obviously. Like if you're a Fortune 500 company, like, yeah, you have the resources to go on all these platforms and kill it as much as you want. But if you're, we mostly work with startups and, and entrepreneurs, I feel like you should utilize the platform where you feel like 
the majority of your market is on and the ones that you feel comfortable with, you're actually going to maintain because, you know, there's so many of these platforms and everything like that. And they're more and more growing and coming every single day. So it's like, I always advise people not to get too stressed out about that, especially when you're starting off. I feel like just gravitate to the ones that, you know, you feel like you're going to be able to maintain and actually create, um, valuable, authentic, um, I hate the word content, but like authentic content, like you're going to really create engaging moments on those platforms. If it's just a platform that you're just recycling old shit on, then it's like, kind of defeats the purpose, right? Like. No, that's phenomenal advice because I tell people, it's like, look, especially when you're starting, you don't have a lot of resources. You can't be in like five social media apps and in the DMs of each and responding to the comments. I like I was on Instagram. It wasn't then I kind of saw the opportunity on LinkedIn. So I was like, well, you know what? I don't let me kind of abandon Instagram. Let me focus on LinkedIn. I got Mm -hmm. that going well, you know, spent a few years. And then now it's like I have a little more resources. I have a little more following. Now it's like, all right, now I'm a little more on TikTok, Twitter. And it's like, but the main thing is LinkedIn and it's about finding the right balance because I see so many people, they're trying for so many things. And it's like, you know what? If you put that same time and you just put it on YouTube or you just put it on TikTok, you'll go way further. And then the influence on one is going to go to the others. Like I see people who grow yeah. big on TikTok. Now they're like, all right, now let me do the YouTube or they grow big on this. Now let me do the Twitter and they exactly. kind of feed them. So that's good. That's something that a lot of people don't realize, especially if you're a small business. It's like, look, Focus on the one platform and then focus where the customers feel more comfortable, right? If you're a restaurant, maybe it is the Instagram where you post your daily specials, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a business and creative agency, maybe it is sort of the YouTube because they want to see your videos and they want to see your branding and all that. So that, no, thank you for that. Now, was there ever a time that the lack of a college degree held you back either with clients or from opportunities? Nah, not at all, man. Because most of the the clients in... People I work with, they don't even have that. <laughs> That's why I realized a lot of these like business owners and stuff like that, they don't even have half. They don't even have this shit. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's good to know. Did now? Did you ever feel insecure about not having it because you know maybe it was instilled upon you that you need to have it? Did you did you ever have an issue with that? Nah, and if you, you know, because I remember I spent. I remember I saw an article on Forbes actually, and we were talking about like all the like multi-billionaires and millionaires of the CEOs in the company and we're talking about their education degree. Like some of them just have a high school. There's a lot of them who dropped out of high school. So that gave me confidence. I'm like, I'm like, these guys are like running these huge companies and these and they don't even have like the fraction of education that I have. Like what the fuck? Like no. So like from there I kind of like I I understood like the game of how this education system is like these guys they want people like me to go in school because they want to hire people like us you know like me who go to school who already have that understanding of like who's who's prepared to be a worker you know so they could hire those people you know and that was i understood that very quickly so i never felt insecure about that at all no that's good now how did you learn and how did you get better, right? How did you cover any gaps that you may have had? Because business is overwhelming, right? There's the legal stuff. There is the accounting stuff. How'd you get comfortable with that? Or, you know, how'd you find the right people for that? 
you know, I started building my own community here in Montreal. Like I, I was really, um, I, I spoke to other creators or entrepreneurs that I looked up to and I respect a lot. They were on the same come up as me and we would just share resources, you know, and I would just ask them questions or they would just tell me stuff like, yo, you know, like probably should incorporate your business because of, you know, for tax purposes and, you know, liability purposes. And I was like, oh shit, you know, and then I do my own research and I'm like, yo, you have an accountant that you could refer me to? Yeah, I know this accountant, boom. Or like, it just started off just really like that. And, and I'm still learning as I go along. Like, I'm still like, I'm still like um, figuring shit out as I'm going, going along. But uh, what helped me is just asking questions to other people in my circle about certain things that I don't know. I try my best to surround, pe- to surround myself with people who are smarter and who's excelling a lot quicker than I am as much as possible. So how do you go about finding these people and surrounding yourself with these people? Because it's so easy to just surround yourself with maybe the crowd that isn't as productive for you. You know, I guess for me, it's a little easier because the work and everything that we put out generally attract those type of people, you know? So, um, So that really helped us a lot as well. But, um, you know, I I was just lucky enough to be here in Montreal where I was just seeing people just doing amazing things. Like when I see like folks like, you know, um, you might not know them, but like people like Never Was Average, Laughing and Steel, these are all like local legends in our our community who are doing amazing things. And I would see them and I would just reach out to them. I was like, yo, I fuck with you guys too. Like, and Montreal is very tight. So, very small so the people who are i would say who are excelling and who's doing amazing things you're going to cross paths with those people sooner or later you know and that's how it really operates so i guess it's more of of a circumstance of me being in this small pot i should say no i mean that is it's great advice it's like if you're in a city and you're out there putting yourself out there you're doing good work you come or you attract that type of crowd. You attract people mm-hmm. who kind of see that, who's like, wow, he, you know, Miro's a good guy. He, you know, I want to help him out or, you know, I want to collaborate with you. Now, mm-hmm. if you had to give advice to yourself at like the 16 to 18 years old, what would you tell that the younger version of yourself? Uh, uh, what I would tell the younger version of myself? I, feel like I, I already had this question before and I feel like I would say the same thing, but I would say that like most like adults don't know what the fuck they're doing, bro. Adults are just kids. Like no one literally knows what they're doing. They're just figuring it out as they go by. So that person that you think, oh, he has it all figured out and he's doing everything. Nah, he's probably just winging it and he's just learning that to go along. So make sure that you don't feel like insecure for not knowing shit because most people don't know anything. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we're all figuring stuff out. And, you know, I look back and I used to look at the teachers and used to think that they're different people, but it's like, or your parents or uncles. And you're like, wow, they, they were not perfect, right? They were still, they didn't, <laughs> no. they, you know, they were trying to figure it out. And it's like, wow, it's, it's crazy. So that's a, that's a very important. Now, what advice would you give to someone who's sort of, you know, late high school, who sort of wants to be a creative? Like, what, what would you tell them to do? What would you tell them to, 
up to, how would they go about upgrading their skills? Are there any books or, you know, courses or YouTube channels that you'd recommend that they watch? I would say like really determine like what you want to do and just ex- like, just experiment and find your, what you're good at, you know, like, cause being a creative is such a vague term, but I, I feel like, um, you should kind of take some time to kind of discover like what you're good at, what you want to do and what you don't want to do, you know, really take the time to discover that as much as possible. Um, secondly, reach out to people on social media like you know you follow a dope creative on instagram on linkedin facebook just follow them message them ask them a question sometimes people are going to answer sometimes they're not going to answer it's life you know be prepared to get a thousand no's before you get one yes that's my that's my mantra (laughs) mantra i should say like have that and uh yeah, and just like take the time to really develop a niche as well, too, you know, like because there's so many different niches out there. You know, if you want to work with just like, yo, I just want to work with Medicare. I just want to work in the medical side of things. Do creative work in that industry. There's a whole subgenre in that. If you want to work in foods, there's a whole thing for that. If you want to work with other artists, there's a whole thing for that. If you want to work in tech, there's a whole thing. So I feel like um, taking the time to kind of like, See what are your interests and see how you can merge those interests because you might be a creator and you might be a foodie at the same time. It's like, oh, shit, I could combine both of them together. Then boom, you know? Yeah. So what are your future goals? My future goals right now with Sysitecam is to build a company as big as Disney right now. That's what I'm, that's what we're striving for right now. Um, Right now, like we're putting a lot of like... In order to achieve that, I should say, because I know it sounds like a very grandiose goal, but like right now, what we're trying to do is really establish our name and credibility in the brand when it comes to branding. So when it comes to branding or anything of that nature, you think of System Kim. So we're really trying to build up our name like that in Canada, and we're slowly starting to venture off in the United States and turn this into a global agency. And down the line, we, we are hoping in the next five years, or we're aiming for it in the next five years is to pivot and start creating our own original content. So creating our own like TV shows, you know, comic books, video games, and start really producing original content that's really produced by, you know, people like us who are just very like scrappy with it and just have these weird unorthodox ideas and just create something of that nature but that's where we're trying to go okay nice so good luck to you and you know i know you're gonna do whatever you can to make it happen and you know best of luck to you now is there anything that you kind of want to tell the audience that you haven't really shared yet i haven't shared yet uh that you want to tell them that you're like hey you know what this is your final note (laughs) i don't think i have anything that i really want to tell them on a final note to be very honest like i think i think one thing i would say is like you know um take the time to discover what's happening in montreal i feel like montreal is a very underrated city one of the most underrated cities in the world you know because it's a huge melting pot of different cultures different ideas 
It's a very old city with a lot of rich history. It's a little island, and you know, like on on a it's a very creative artsy city and your typical artsy city. So I would say like discover the the arts and the amazing things that's coming out of our city, especially. You know, um, on the tech side of things, like there's a lot of in it. Like we are a tech hub here as well, so there's a lot of just interesting things. And I think I would like to like just say that, leave that there, like take the time to discover what's going on here. No, I, I, look, I got to check out Montreal too because you know I'm in <laughs> Toronto a lot, but definitely going to visit Montreal and then you know we'll let you know. Now, how would people support you? How would people follow you? So how people could support me and follow me, well, I wouldn't say just me, but us, is, you know, um, take the time to discover what we do and the work we do. Like, we, I feel like we do amazing, beautiful work. So, you know, you can visit us at sissankian.com. So that's S-I-X-C-I-N-Q-U-I-E-M-E.com. And at Sysankem on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So you just type that on, type that in on Google. You find, I feel like our SEO is pretty cool. It's pretty good. So you type that in on Google, you're going to see a bunch of links pop up. And yeah. Okay. No, I'm excited. I'll put those in the show notes. I'm going to be following you guys. I know. You guys will do amazing things. And thank you for sharing your story. I know the audience got a lot of value. Thank you for your time, Miro. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we could meet in person. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the dream. We're, I'm going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. So looking forward to that day. Peace out. Peace out. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia. Keeps us evolving, growing in the knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.